0: All right. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. It is so important to be able to keep ourselves safe. And we're going to be talking about that in this episode of Emotional Savvy. And if you've ever felt used or abused or confused by someone, yes, it has a lot to do with that other person. But today I just want to bring it home. I want to talk to you about what it has to do with you. Because it may be that you're suffering from what I call boundary-itis. Yeah, boundary-itis. You're inflamed because people walk all over you. And when you're with a hijackal, that's what they want to do. They want to get your agreement to walk all over you at any time. In fact, all the time, if possible. So you're getting more and more inflamed. You're getting more upset because you have boundary-itis. And those boundaries that you have are not keeping you safe. And that's what boundaries are for. They're fundamentally important to creating healthy relationships, and particularly important if you're in a difficult relationship. But they're very important in every relationship, with people you love, people who say they love you, with people that you even meet on the street. You may have to tell them what's okay with you and what's not. And they're even more essential to keep you safe from toxic people, or thoughtless people, or people who are particularly difficult and want some power. So the major symptoms of boundary-itis are that you feel violated, you feel stepped on, stepped over, maybe you feel disregarded or discounted. Another symptom is that you feel unseen. You definitely don't feel anybody's listening to you, so you feel unheard, neglected, Maybe you feel powerless in the situation or at other people's disposal or they're taking you for granted. But the good news is that there is a clean cure for boundary-itis. And that's what I want to talk about today, how you can clarify your boundary within yourself, what's okay with me, what's not okay with me, then learn to express that in a way the other person can hear, which is to not use the word you, only to talk about yourself. I feel best when I am treated this way and then express those boundaries and then maintain them. And then if you cannot get someone to respect your boundary, you repeat it and you add the action, the consequences that they're going to be for people who don't respect your boundaries. So be sure to take time to clarify your boundaries. Know what's important to you because boundaries are not demands to help you get what you want. That's just petulance. Boundaries are based on knowing your values, your needs, and your priorities. And you need to know where there's flexibility or wiggle room. Does the boundary apply to certain people or all people? We want to be safe. What would be a case in which it did not apply? So your clarity when thinking through your boundaries makes you much more confident in expressing them. That cure for boundaryitis, it has a side effect, though. And those side effects range from immediately receiving more and mutual respect to upsetting and alienating people who don't want you to have any boundaries. You've met them, right? (laughs) So people who are upset by your maintaining your boundaries may not have your best interest at heart. Let them be upset. If those folks are important to you, talk it through with them. Give them the best chance to understand your boundaries. And that gives you an opportunity to let them express theirs as well. And then if your boundaries don't sit well with them, let them move away from you or you move away from them. You don't want to be with people who trespass your boundaries. You need to maintain them. Flexible boundaries are not boundaries at all. So think of a flexible boundary on a ski hill. Well, you may or may not be in danger if you go past this point or this fence. What would that mean? Well, maybe the snow is too soft here, but maybe not. Maybe this cliff is too high to jump off, but maybe not. Maybe there are dangerous rocks below, or maybe you'll miss them. Well, that's crazy, right? So, you know, if you think about that, you realize why you need to have strong, clear, well-expressed boundaries. And I know it's not simple. It sounds simple, but it's not that easy. For many people, the very thought of expressing a boundary sends them fear to their core. they find they think, "Well, maybe someone won't like me, maybe they won't approve of me, Maybe they'll go away." Well, that was true they might, and someone may not, but that's far better than not liking, approving of, or loving yourself. So people with boundaryitis often get great mileage from the doormat syndrome. They have no boundaries, but then they get upset when they think someone is walking all over them. How does that work? (laughs) They tell big stories like, you'll never guess what that person did to me, or ain't it awful, or he did me wrong. Big victim stories. and They get stuck in the story and the reactions they get to telling the story. So they look for sympathy and empathy and a shoulder to cry on and they get great mileage out of the story and they still feel very used. But without clarified, expressed and maintained boundaries, they're just lying down holding a big sign that says, hey, walk all over me, please do. They're welcoming people to turn them into a heavy traffic area. So a boundary tells people where you end and they begin. It's a statement you make that lets others know what is okay with you, what is not, and if necessary, what the consequences are for crossing the boundary. Now, I've told this story before, but it applies here. I'll tell you a story about my mother. She said to me, go downstairs and get the bucket. Remember, my mother was a very difficult person, a hijackal. And I said to her, I was 40 at the time. I said, pardon So a little more assertively, she said, go downstairs and get the bucket. And I again said, pardon me? So louder, my mother said, you heard, go downstairs and get the bucket. And I said, you know, Mom, no one in my life gives me orders. I don't respond to orders. There was this big silence. And finally, she said, go downstairs and get the bucket, please. So I got the bucket. But the good news is that my mother never gave me another order. So that was a great result. We're a hundred percent responsible for teaching people how to treat us. Remember that. And the only way you can do that is by clarifying your boundaries, by doing your own inner work. Express your boundaries when necessary and in some cases before they're even necessary to those people in your life, and then maintain your boundaries consistently by moving away from those people who demonstrate their unwillingness to respect them. You are the only person who can do those three things. So if you don't do them, you have to take responsibility for allowing or maybe even inviting people to walk over you. So work on your boundaries today. Keep yourself safe. And if you're unsure how to go about that, let's talk. I'll help you clarify your boundaries. It's very important to your well-being and the health of your relationship. And I really, really want you to be safe. And I know you want to be safe too. So let's get those boundaries in place, expressed, and maintained. Talk soon. Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. As usual, I'm very excited about my guest, but today I'm particularly excited because I've been following her work for years and then come to find out that she also has a great interest in helping people avoid and stop tolerating abuse. So what could be a better fit? So my guest today is Susan Harrow. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and that's such a nice introduction.
0: Oh, well, you're so welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, because I've always admired your work. And then when I found that you had this interest in verbal self-defense, and I thought, that's perfect. We need to talk about that. Because what happens in relationships so frequently is that we don't know what to say back. Things happen to us, and we don't find our voice, and we don't do that. So let me tell people a little bit about you, Susan. I know that People know you as a beloved media coach, but maybe they didn't know you're also a martial artist with a black belt in Aikido and a wonderful form of martial arts, in my opinion. And you wrote the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. So for the past 28 years, she's run Harrow Communications, which is what I was referring to earlier. She's trained thousands of people in verbal and nonverbal communication. And our great interest today is in finding that voice and finding ways to send clear messages in the moment. Because we've all had those aha moments, Susan, haven't we? When we think what we should have said uh, two days later.
1: (laughs) Or a moment later, or, you know, an hour later or whatever. I know, right? It's the practice of, of getting your muscle and mental memory in so you can be present in the moment. You know, I just wrote down something that Louise Hay wrote. I was listening to a tape of hers. I'm going to read it to you. Um, the point of power is always in the present moment. What you're choosing to think, believe, and say today, right here and right now, is creating your future. I really loved that, you know, and I thought, and how do we do that? We do it. It's not a one-time event. It's something that we practice Mm -hmm. all the time in this moment, right? And, and that's what I love about, you know, this kind of opportunity and actually doing role play as a media trainer, as you know, we do role play and you've done a lot of media. So in order to get the feeling in your body, in your face, in your mind, in your, in your everything, everything is actually to do it. So in media training, you know, I might play, um, you know, Mike, Wallace or Bill O'Reilly not anymore but you know um, no but I was playing you know a Bill O'Reilly so people get the feeling what does it feel like when somebody's aggressive or mean or um, what's uh, intimidating or also um, degrading to you Mm -hmm. like what happens in that moment to your body to your face how do you respond like oh sometimes it feels like a punch in the gut you take a breath you recenter and then you respond. And that takes practice. And one time, you know, in a learning annex class, I gave the example to people where I was really mean to them and I was focused and upfront and really getting in their faces, you know, one at a time. And people go, oh my God, I thought you were a nice person. You're so mean. (laughs) And I never knew the side of you as I was playing a role. But after time 10, they could relax and go, okay, now it's not so forceful, the feeling, or now I can take that breath and center and then respond to you. But at first they couldn't, they were, you know, recoiling and, and they were frightened and their faces and their eyes would get big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was only through that sort of repetition that they started to get that into their mental and muscle memory. Oh, I can respond in a different way.
0: Absolutely. And of course, fear comes up. Anxiety comes up. Am I going to be okay? Are they going to like me? Will I show up? Do I seem like an expert? Do I know my stuff? Oh, my God. Like the... (laughs) The, the things that can go through our head in like yeah. two seconds, right?
1: You're like, this is the longest two seconds of my life, but I've run through every criticism I've ever seen.
0: Oh, yes, our inner courtroom just rises right up and says, What do you think you're doing, girl? Right, and, right. and there and you not are. not one inner critic, it's a team. That's right, it's the inner courtroom. That's why I yeah, call yeah, it the courtroom that. because Definitely. every person who has ever said, Who do you think you are, just yeah. shows up at that moment and puts their hand up. And you know, it reminds me. Susan a uh, story that one of my colleagues Debbie Allen told she mm. was on the Howard Stern show and he made a really strong degrading comment something yep. like well you know uh, why would anybody listen to you nobody's ever heard of you and she had the presence of mind at that moment to say well you called me to be on your show
1: beautiful
0: And the entire interview changed. So we can change a conversation with somebody who is a difficult, toxic person by being aware. And I always tell people, Susan, that the first piece of work you have to do in a relationship of that nature, as long as there's not sexual or physical abuse going on, is your own work. You find your voice, you find your values, you find your vision for your life, you look at your beliefs, and then you align your life before you leave, before you make decisions. And part of that is coming to the consciousness of being in the present moment and not feeling cowed, not feeling pushed back against the wall, not that kind of Tony Robbins moment that has been in the air so much with him kind of walking somebody back because that's how we feel. We feel intimidated and we allow ourselves to feel that way yeah. and we need more confidence. So uh, what's your tip for getting to a place where you can um, be in the moment yeah. and be aware that this is inappropriate and I have to find an appropriate way to respond. Yeah. So, so I think a couple of
1: things first um, It's not that we're never intimidated or something doesn't happen or fear doesn't come up. It's fine that it comes up and we want to accept that. It's like boom, oh, I feel intimidated or somebody said something. Now my my I want to I can't use the word my my stuff is coming up. Let's say (laughs) stuff is coming up, right? It's um it's recognizing that and getting faster and faster at it in Aikido. The, the Japanese martial art that I, I, I train in, um, the founder of Sensei, who was only 4'11", by the way, a tiny little man who was incredibly powerful, using his energy, not physical force or muscle. Um, and that's the beauty of it for women, is that it's not about um, your strength or your size. Um, it's about angle, it's about technique, and it's about um, science to be able to flip someone and this is the same thing. There's a science to it. So with him, what happened is they say, how do you always stay on center? And he says, I don't. But when I'm pushed off center, I get back so fast you don't see it. So this is the same thing for us, whether it's a media interview or someone shouting at you or a Tony Robbins, Um, towering over you. By the way, I thought she did really well. I thought.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know. High five for her. Double high five for her. Um. You know. She really came back with a lot of things and stayed very centered and calm. Um. In that kind of very difficult confrontation. Mm -hmm. So it's about recognizing. Oh my God! I feel like, you know, my my thoughts are coming up and I feel intimidated to take that breath and to recognize it and to stop. And then to say, how do I wanna respond? How do I wanna choose to respond in this moment? And Debbie Allen was um, with people who are like a little more bullies like Howard Stern, she did like what's called a full stop, which was um, she turned it back on him, which is a technique that we wanna use on bullies, maybe not um, when we wanna keep the conversation in a, in a forward movement or stay connected to somebody, she stayed connected with him, but it was a full stop. She said, well, you, you know, so she turned it back on him. And that's what we want to do for bullies. Most of the time we don't want to go, you said this, you know, especially when it's in a relationship, right? If that's not the right thing to do when you're talking about somebody's feelings or understanding, but to stop a bully, to say something like, well, but wait, and you don't even have to say it forcefully. You don't have to say, well, you called me. (laughs) That would be one way to do it, but you can say it very softly too. Well, well, you called me. Exactly. You know, so there's, there's lots of ways to respond even to the same, to the same thing. And it was like, but the point is it stopped him in his tracks. And that's a really great technique for somebody who's, who's intimidating you is to do something. What's called a pattern interrupt, which even can be something like what I just did like that. That's a, you know, shift somebody out of their
0: thinking, yes and and he couldn't see her, of course, but if he could see her, she's a very tiny blonde woman, yeah, yeah and yeah. and yet you know he can't see that in a photograph of her either that she's small, but when she, I don't think she said it in any any forceful, rude way, she just sure, sure. did it what you said, you know. Ah, yes, but you found me, so that must be possible. Yeah, so So who are
1: you to do it? I said, well, you found me. Yeah, exactly. And you can do it super sweetly. Well... You found me. You know, I mean, exactly. so all those kinds of different ways to respond.
0: And, you know, I've written 16 books, Susan, and wow. I've written books for couples and I write about my favorite topic, which is the term that I trademarked for difficult, toxic per- people, which is hijackles. And what hijackles want to do the definition of a hijacker is a person who wants to hijack the relationship for their own purposes right. and then scavenge it for power, status, and control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you meet that kind of energy um, that is always wanting to dominate, always wanting to win, always wanting to one-up, then the, the Aikido image is great. I remember taking a workshop with George Leonard a oh, long time bizarre. ago, yeah. yeah. And, and you are just talking about working with the energy that is like you don't the energy coming at you. You could transfigure that energy and transform that energy, and you don't need to use yours at all.
1: That's right.
0: But when we can be present, that's the biggest thing. Which is why I say we need to do our own work first. Because if you're in a cowering position, if you're always afraid, you're hyper vigilant. Maybe you had a domineering difficult or toxic parent that taught you to be hypervigilant maybe they were substance abusers or they had a huge anger problem or something that right. caused you as a small child to go you know am I safe yeah. and so you bring that to your adult life and then you get into a situation where you're being barraged and you tend to withdraw and collapse and conflate where we have to learn to come forward and just be fully present here. Now yeah. we don't have to push forward, but we have to yeah. be here. That's and yeah. So being here is the first thing to learn to do. So how would you suggest that someone sets boundaries that allows them to prevent things coming at them that they don't want? Um,
1: I think I want to flip the thinking because it's not about ever controlling anyone else. It's only about controlling your own feelings and your own energy. So when we think of that, it's not about how to prevent someone else to do something to us. It's how can we expand the possibilities and expand ourselves to have um, to avert these these kinds of things. And that's a practice. Like when you were just talking about. We'll stay with the Aikido analogy. Um, in Aikido, we never try to block someone's energy. Uh, we try to take. We can take the person off balance by um, a blow to their face, but we don't actually connect. We make the blow, takes them off balance, makes them light enough for them to throw. But in Aikido, when somebody's energy is coming toward you, we redirect the energy. We're not stopping it. We're letting it go in the, en- the direction that we want, but we're slightly redirecting it. So when someone is coming at you and you feel like you're shrinking or um, feeling, feeling like you're shrunken in, the first thing is to notice, oh, that's how I respond. That's my initial response. The first part is awareness of setting any boundary. Oh, this is what happens when someone attacks me or someone comes at me too strongly or someone insults me, whatever that is. Oh, I shrink. Okay, so we notice that and then we say, okay, I've just shrunk. Can I let that go? And can I now expand my energy? In Aikido, we talk about extending ki. So it's as simple as when you're shaking someone's hand, you meet in the middle. You're extending your energy through your hand, through your body to them as a greeting, as a hello. And we talk about inviting ki in, which is inviting the other person to connect with us. And that's what we're always doing. And we're, we're connecting on equal Ground. I think that's the, that's, the, that's the key. I mean, in Aikido, we're always trying to take the other person's center. So we're trying to get them off balance. But when you're meeting someone that you're not trying to um, overpower them, you're meeting typically on that ground. So the first thing about boundaries is awareness how close is too close? How loud is too loud? You know, and to start notice what, in, what that is for you. Like your boundary may be a little closer or further away than mine. So um, you have the ability to step back, step to the side, move away, put your hand up, whatever that is um, for you, and then be aware of what's happening with your energy in your body. Like when you can contract, okay, can you put your shoulders back? Can you drop your shoulders? Can Can you take a breath? Can you lift your head up to stand up straighter, you know? Um, all of that is part of the self-awareness and setting the boundary. So if you are walking around while you're extended out, like here is my boundary, no one can come in any closer, you have that mental awareness and you start to feel that in your body too. And you can play with it. Like I play with sometimes walking along the street and in the neighborhood, I've seen how far can I extend my key. So there, I saw somebody like way down the street and I thought, let me see if I can, wow, send my energy like a block away. And then that person would turn around. You know, I'm like, okay, so that worked. So you can practice that and play with it and notice. Cause I think we've all had the experience of like being on a bus and looking at somebody and um and having them turn around
0: yeah i think i think that's
1: energy through our eyes which we all know how to do we all know how to do it through our eyes who hasn't given their child the evil eye or another person the evil eye right so if you can even extend like okay the evil eye and then you can give the nice eye or the sweet eye right that same way so we know how to do it with our eyes so let's just extend that the rest. And what I can tell you is even standing in line at a grocery store, oftentimes um, I do a, a prayer, you know, I just extend that, like, you know, especially if I see somebody having a good, t- a hard time, I extend, you know, oh, may, you know, just sending like a good feeling to them. Can their day be easier? Can um, they feel happiness? And people always turn around.
0: So yes, I, I think that that's true. And it's certainly true in my life. And I want everybody to know I'm speaking with Susan Harrow. If you'd like to learn more about what she does all day, you can go to PRsecrets.com. And, and, and then you can get deeper into her interests and things. And I'm so happy that you're sharing these Aikido uh, principles yeah. with us because it's, it's interesting. So I want to continue the conversation in just a minute. So we were talking about practicing the ability of extending our and expanding our energy, and you know I want to relate something to you because I do a lot of work, energy work, and and I did this experiment, Susan, and I think it it will also add to what you were saying, which is I decided because I was spending so much time in airports as a professional speaker at the time, I decided that I would get rid of my suitcases and I would do this experiment. I would walk to my gate and I would consider myself a blast furnace of love and I would just see what happened, that I was just doing this. And, you know, th- the result of it was that babies came to talk to me, oh. people asked me questions, there were lots of smiles. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was just palpable what you can do. So when we're working with these difficult people and they want to come into our energy space, it's a great idea to be able to hold your own, to be able to keep your center, to be able to stay in a place. And it's not only physical boundaries that we need to know how to handle. We need to be able to deal with the emotional and verbal boundaries that people say outrageous things to us in, in order to have some kind of power over us. And that's important. So we need to be able to set up situations so we are not getting into argumentative spaces without trying something that will prevent us from doing that. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I love what you said about being like
1: a love furnace. <laughs> you described it. Last furnace uh, of love. Last furnace of love. Um, you know, the same goes for difficult people because they really need it most, you know, and it's the hardest thing to do. You know, in MetaKindness, the MetaKindness meditations that Pema Chodron teaches and all of that, if you can't extend it to a person, you try it with the the things or the people that you love. Sometimes it's easier with an animal, you know, because it's unconditional love. So you practice sending love to your animal, which you do anyway, or a baby, right? So we practice on the easy people. And then we move toward the people who are more neutral and or people that we love. And then we move to the neutral and then we move to the difficult. And you can practice this without being in the presence of a person, because even that is going to shift your vibration or whatever it is that you want to call it um, the way that you are in the world. So you can do this practice on your own, the loving, meta kindness practice, which is, you know, very simple, which is just compassion for, you know, animals, babies, that then, you know, just extending it that way. And I think you're asking like, what happens when, when that difficult person is in front of us? How do we set that boundary? Um, the first way that we can set that boundary is, you know, physically before that person ever gets any closer to us. We know that they're, we're noticing out in the world, oh, um, this person is, you know, has a, has, um, you know, I feel a bad feeling. The first thing is to notice that and then to act on it. It's not, you know, enough. this person has a bad feeling and then let them get close to you. No, this person, I feel something bad, it feels weird, something's, something's wrong, you need to create distance. So that would be the first thing. Then if somebody's already gotten in there, let's imagine it's a surprise. Then, um, you know, if it's a physical person, whether they're verbally abusive or starting to grab you physically, you can immediately say, stop right there. Um, so a little bit louder, more intensity. I mean, if I could ramp that up either with my eyes and my face too, but depending on how forceful you want to be, you can even stop, you know, you can don't come any closer. Right. So that would be the first thing is to set that boundary, use a stop sign, use your, your words, your eyes, your facial expression, your body, everything needs to be in alignment. You want to say a full body no. You
0: don't
1: want to say it. So
0: saying, no, stop. I, I like that. I love the idea of a full body no. Full body no. <laughs> and, and what I'm always telling clients is also know that no is a complete sentence. And when we're dealing with hijackles, people who have personality disordered traits, whether or not they're diagnosable or not, doesn't matter, which is why I created the term hijackle. None of us, I mean, certainly I have a PhD in psychology, I I am a professional, but diagnosing is not the issue. My thing is about helping people notice what's going on and notice how you feel, notice how you want to feel, and then do something about it. So when you're dealing with a hijackal, some kind of physical thing like that will often be a challenge to them. That will say, let me see if I can come into your space. So it becomes something that we have to learn to do first like you have another another uh, hiding thing for a <laughs> <laughs> The um. Uh, ordinary. Yes, yes. There, there's there's lots ordinary. of things it's to try.
1: Funny, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, somebody difficult coming in. You know, make a joke. I mean, that's we sometimes forget humor, and sometimes that doesn't work. Again, you really have to judge the situation. There's not one thing to do but i remember my neighbor who she was not an attorney but she was her job was to negotiate with unions she mm-hmm. had never lost she worked for um, um you know a government agency she she was not an attorney but she never lost a negotiation and she used to break into song during <laughs> negotiations and people would just be so flummoxed and so beside themselves they didn't know what was going on and then she would be able to negotiate with them and get her way
0: you know so some of that is like use your imagination well there's a reason for that because when you do something as outrageous and unexpected as breaking into song yeah you have a 10 to 15 seconds when we actually disinhibit the neocortex in the other yeah. person, so their brain scrambles for a moment, right. and that that gives you a moment. I teach negotiation in the in the um, school of management at the University of Texas at Dallas, so I understand exactly yeah, what yeah, she's talking yeah. about. But you know, it's it's a good thing. But if you happen to be in a relationship in your home with a difficult yeah. person, then you know, these things become finer and finer calibrated. That, okay, sure, with somebody who you can do something unexpected, like, no, you're not gonna do that with somebody who has not got the inside track and you haven't promised to spend your life with them till death do you part. But they don't really have a strong conscience, if any, they're lacking in empathy. So when you say no, they say, hmm, we'll see about that so it it requires us to have even stronger personal skills that you were talking about before that sense of place that sense of strength that ability to stand yeah. strong knowing who you are and have enough skills to be able to verbalize in the moment and you know the thing that i ask people to do is something just a little bit of a of a shift from what you were saying and add to what you were saying which is don't Talk about them. Oh, no, the, no, never the, them. the thing that, that will really annoy a hijacker is if you use the word you, because they have no personal responsibility or accountability. Okay. Everything will get shifted off back okay. onto you. So it becomes well, very important. I mean, right? <laughs> I'm not a hijacker, but I think it would annoy me too. Right. So it's really important for us to have these skills where we say, all right, I'm just going to say right now I am feeling disrespected. Right now I need some space. Right now in order to get that space I'm going to step out. And then you just say that in a positive, clear way without a whole lot of force behind it, but with strength. With that that position. And you know, I know in aikido they have a strong standing position and that's what we have to have in our head, isn't it?
1: Well, it's, it's about feeling um, grounded and balanced and, um, and feeling, you know, your feet on the ground, feeling your stomach, um, feeling, you know, pull the energy all the way down. And I also want to say, you know, sometimes, you know, to add on to what you were saying in that, in that relationship, sometimes with my sweetie, he's, he's very fiery. So I'll, um, I'll actually just walk out. Um, I don't feel like I even need any explanation. It's like, he's getting a little hot. I can see that the conversation isn't going to continue. Um, isn't going to be able to continue. So I will actually just leave. So I won't even say anything. You know, I won't say I'm going to continue this later. I know we will, but I'll just, um, I'll just walk out of, I'll just walk out of the room because the energy is such that we're not going to be productive. The other thing that I really love that Nancy Dreyfus, who's a, former client of mine, and she's a wonderful psychologist. She created, she wrote a book called um, Talk to Me Like I'm Someone You Love. And what Mm she has is these cards where, because it takes the tone out of everything. When you're talking about like hijackals, it's the tone. You don't want to go, you, you buddy, you know, you don't want to say that. Um, And you hold up these cards that may say, Oh my God! The conversation has taken such a turn. I love you. I want to continue this conversation elsewhere, you know, else time, so we can, um, be, so we can um, uh, come to come to love again or something like that, right? And so my sweetie and I, I have the cards, but sometimes we hold up imaginary cards. <laughs> <laughs> Without a tone. So the key is to the reason why you hold up a card too is because it takes the tone out of it and there's no and it just sort of diffuses it right away. So for people who, who can't speak yet, you know, you can hold up the card. But we hold up an imaginary card and I'll hold up an imaginary card and go, can we please start over? Or can we I wish I didn't say that. Can you just forget it? You know? So we hold up the imaginary card. Um you know, as a, and it kind of always gets us to laugh, but not always. You know, sometimes we're both entrenched in our own personal thing where we're still too mad. And you might just, I might just say, you know, I'm just too mad to keep talking about this.
0: Yeah, right? I, I think that that's yeah. a very important thing to know when to say. <laughs> and obviously, yeah. Susan, there's so much to this conversation, so maybe yeah. we'll continue it another day. I love that. Yeah, so good. So let me just remind people that I'm talking to Susan Harrow. She's very well known as a media coach and a media person helping everybody get seen, which is a wonderful thing. So you can find her at prsecrets.com. She has a, a gift for us too, which you'll see on the show page um, for today's show. And I just want to thank you for bringing this wonderful awareness of Icado and how we can link those energy things that are present in that system into the way that we communicate with the people in our world to keep ourselves safe. So thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This is such a fun conversation. And yes, we could talk for hours. I hope we'll talk more. <laughs> It's a fascinating conversation.
0: It is. So Remember, if you want to see more about Susan and her work, go to prsecrets.com. Remember, you can always find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. If you want something a little visual, go to my YouTube channel, For Relationship Help. We'll be back soon with another episode. Take care and talk soon. Bye-bye, Susan. Bye. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.